Thank you so much to everyone who entered our mug competition. Yeah. We had a fantastic level of interaction. Mm. Um, great to see, great to see. Keep it going. We will keep it going. We will run more competitions. We will send more <laughs> mugs. We will prosper. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it was great. And congratulations again to our two lucky winners. Yeah, we were we really were chuffed to see you all commenting away. And some of you correctly identifying the pumpkins. Mm which we curved. We've just received some very exciting news <laughs> from producer Will that we now have an A is for Gmail account. Woo. So you can all write to us at A is for podcast at gmail.com. Send us your pics. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. But send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think. We would love to hear when you think we've said something wrong when you know we've said something wrong yeah if you've got any fact checking yeah. that's always very helpful for us and stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing yeah got any good stories also about... if you ever want to send a ghost story just send it there yeah and it will get read one day yeah. by a ghost <laughs> and also you can also do all of those things on our socials as always and when I say our socials, I mean our social because all we really have is our Instagram. So that's A is for podcast. Yeah, on Instagram, and you can also well, you please yes. we would like yes, Gina. Uh, for you to share the podcast far and wide. Yeah, we would love that. And also, just do keep your ears out because we might be running little more competitions. Yes, lots of exciting prizes to be won. Yeah, yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. yeah. And your ears on the episodes. Yeah. And remember, guys. And your ass. Ooh. Akimbo. <laughs> <laughs> remember, guys. Uh, I had nothing to say, actually. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll leave it there. <laughs> A is for anything. B for baby blue. C is classy clams and clogs. D for doggy doos. T is easy. F for flange. E for gammon. H for ham. I for idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Jerry. K is kooky. L for lads. R for ladies. Lads, lads, lads. M for mummy. N for knock knock. Who's there? P P who? Here Q R S T U for ugly. V for Venus. W for W. X is hard to comprehend. Why can't I just reach the end? Z for zebra. Zinc and zany. Baglioni. Zip zucchini. Zoom and zoom and zipple into the alphabet is really cool. Yes, please. So, roller coasters this week. And I'm going to kick us off with a fact. The oldest roller coaster dates back... Not to Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. (laughs) No, 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 it doesn't. (laughs) Hell yes. It doesn't. Oh, you bastard. But okay, does anyone know actually how old the oldest roller coaster is? What what the oldest roller coaster is? Nemesis Inferno. Wrong. You're on it right now. Life. (laughs) Get out. Did you practice that in the mirror? I didn't in the mirror, but I did in it too, and I was next to a mirror. <laughs> well, you said it out loud in it too. No, I read it, and I was like, brilliant. <laughs> oh, she likes that oh, she one. Likes, she does. Okay, well, I'm glad I've like, you know warmed everyone up. Yeah. So, actually, just a few real facts now to to just kick us off. The longest roller coaster in the world 
It's the Steel Dragon at Nagashima Spa Land in Japan, and it's two point five kilometers. Oh, that's quite how long. Long it is in minutes because they tend to be pretty short. Yeah, you're looking at oh three minutes. Oh, that's long. So the longest drop. This one, I did a lot of watching point of view roller coasters on YouTube last night. They are completely thrilling and I really recommend it. But this one is called King Dakar at Six Flags Great Adventure in USA. It has an apex that is 139 metres above the ground. So it just goes up and then curls at the top and straight down. Wow. It's 25 seconds. I mean, that's pretty brief, isn't it? Yeah. And then the fastest roller coaster in the world is the Formula Rossi at Ferrari World in Abu Dhabi. Wow. And it reaches 149 <laughs> miles per hour in five seconds. Oh, oh my no. God. Well, hang on a minute. We can do that too. We can do that too. But we've been on a roller coaster that holds a world record. For the most amount of loop-de-loops. Oh, is that the Smiler? It was at Winter Wonderland. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that isn't the world record. But they said it was. They said it was. No, no, no. Because I didn't write down the one it was, but that wasn't it. Well, it said most world loop-de-loops, yeah. not world. No, Might have maybe been UK or Europe. Most loop-de-loops at Winter Wonderland? No. No, no. It's, it's only like roller coaster at Winter Wonderland, isn't it? Yeah. Who's lying to us then? Winter no, Wonderland. Father Christmas. Yeah. <gasps> He's full of lies. He's classic. Yeah. Classic liar. So... The one in Abu Dhabi, 149 miles per hour, riders have to wear a protective face mask to prevent injury from collisions with insects and particles of dust. Wow. Oh. And it's really interesting, What actually. do the masks look, look like? Do you know? I didn't look up the masks. But that must be terrifying to yeah. look at as think- an insect. <laughs> yeah. A roller coaster don't think- people with masks coming at you. They don't have time to see it, though. Yeah, true. But it's interesting. They have to be quite careful about the limits of how fast you can make it go because of how much G-force our bodies can take. And also, the pace can't exceed the speed at which our brains like detect change and then adjust muscles. So it's really freaky if you think about if one went too fast, what would happen to our bodies? Would it be the G-force thing of like... Going like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. You what, can all picture what I was doing. I was kind of picturing like your brain just melts through the leather seat or something. It's not a leather seat, is it? Yeah, what have you been going on? I haven't. I don't go on them, and that's what I wanted to ask. Do you like roller coasters? <laughs> no. What? Yes, in a sort of naughty, thrilling way. But no, I don't like them because I'm really, 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 really scared of heights. For me, I am not inclined to go on a roller coaster watching them on youtube last night was as about as close as i could get to going on like a serious one yeah i've only been on real children's ones and i think they kind of encapsulate the absolute wimp in me like my approach to roller coasters is very revealing about my soul <laughs> how about you jelly i i do like them yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. i don't like rides at all i don't like your spinny spinny sicky sickies but i do like the feeling of getting from A to B what, in so quite like a raucous way. The, the up down <laughs> ones, no. No, I like I don't those I don't like mind. The drop, the drop. Yeah, like not. I don't want to just be like hoofed up to the top of something and then like all in one pole drop down. But if yeah. it's like a track, I'm good with okay, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fear that I feel is like this conviction that something bad will happen. I didn't realise that accidents actually are 
very common. So there are, let me get my facts out. There are thousands of amusement park related injuries each year. Fatal accidents are rarer with just a few happening in the past decade. So the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, which isn't going to be your most unbiased source, gathered statistics <laughs> based on the number of injuries per million activity days and found that for rides and theme parks, there were eight injuries per million days, which actually, in the scheme of dangerous activities, is not very dangerous. Hang on. Million days. That's, so for every that's lots of yeah, that's like ten years. Isn't yeah, it? so they're saying <laughs> there are eight injuries for each million days. But I don't know. I actually, that's more than ten years. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really long time. More. No, yeah, none of us live for a million days. No, we live for three, four thousand weeks. That's eighty years. Hang on, how is this statistic? Also, it's a very weird way of phrasing (laughs) it. (laughs) This is very confusing. Maybe I've like completely missed... No, I actually copied and pasted this bit and this was from a very reputable source. I also read that there were 30,000 accidents every year. So let's just go with that. What? What? So where does the eight accidents in every million days come from? Well, it comes from the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. So they're, mm, they're fudging, that's fudging, 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 they mean eight solid days of accidents. If you stacked up all the no, time, no, it's it eight <laughs> injuries for each million days. I'm really confused. Oh no, that's a big. This pile is of not going to make a little a good bit of podcast. There. I smell a little um, fat rat. Basically, <laughs> by contrast. Playing American football is 40 times more dangerous than going on a roller coaster. I can believe that. Yeah. And fishing is far riskier at 88 injuries per million days. Again, these figures don't make sense, but this is from The Guardian. So uh, why are they doing the million days thing as well? Yeah, the million days thing is weird, but I can vouch for fishing because... (laughs) I would say it's more dangerous than... 88 days, 88 injuries per million days. What, yeah. fishing? Fishing yeah, is more fishing, dangerous than yeah. going on a roller coaster. Yeah. That was oh, the, the Yeah, that is the point. Fishing is more dangerous yeah, than going on a roller coaster. On this weird sliding scale the of point bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> the point of this sliding scale of bullshit is to illustrate that the things that scare you are not the things that kill you. So going on a roller coaster is very, very unlikely to kill you, but getting in a bad car accident on the way to the theme park... Is. is likely, well, is much, much likelier to kill you. Yeah. And we kind of normalise these things, the things that we're familiar with. And just before I move on, your average chance, if you're in the UK, of dying today is 1 in 41,667, which seems way too slim to me. As in... What, you want a better ch- chance? No, as in it seems far too unslim. Hang on. That sounds quite likely. I don't hate that. I'm still stuck on unslim. What does that mean? (laughs) I'm saying the chances of me dying being one in 41,667 seems too likely to me. Oh, yes. I'm not comfortable with that. If you think of yourself in a room with 40,000 people and there's a big crane arm coming down from the sky, the likelihood of you getting picked is so slim. Yeah. Yeah, but Gina thinks that she'd be, always be the one that got picked. So A is for accidents, and no, R is for roller coaster. But <laughs> on the topic of roller coaster accidents, there's this whole Wikipedia page, which is called Incidents at European Amusement Parks, and it 
is the longest Wikipedia page I've ever been on. And it's horrible, as you can imagine. But if you're interested, feel free to go and have a look. You can imagine there's all sorts going on. People getting flung off rides, people being hit by pieces of rides coming off, people having heart attacks. That, I could imagine, happens more than you think. One incident at Blackpool Pleasure Beach... A man, I think he was with his son, like oh, when the, the carriage pulled back in, he was just slumped in the chair. His neck had broken. <gasps> that oh, one really freaked me God. out. That's horrific. And then one in... Gina. Should I not <laughs> be reading this out? No, no, go, no, no, go, no, go, go, go. And then one in oh. 1987, a seven-year-old boy at Thorpe Park was thrown from a boat in one of the rapids rides and lost an ear. Ooh. <sighs> I take that. Yeah, over. yeah. My neck snapped. And then you probably remember the most biggest one I can think of in recent time was in 2015 at Alton Towers on the Smiler and a moving carriage. It was only going at like 30 miles per hour when this happened. Went into a stationary one and multiple people badly injured and two teenagers ended up having to have a leg amputated. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. It's not making me want to go on a roller coaster well, again, no. I tell you. I don't know. It's a bit joyless of me, isn't it, to rattle through all of them. But as I have said, it is safer than fishing. So do, <laughs> do bear that in mind. Do bear that so in mind. don't fish either. <laughs> I would be remiss in my duty as a podcast host if I didn't tell you the history of the roller coaster. So, oh, yeah. Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. Yes. <laughs> no. Back to 18th century Russia. The first version or form of a roller coaster, or what they were inspired by, were these things called Russian mountains. They were specially constructed hills of ice located in the area that's now St. Petersburg. And they were slides built to a height of 21, between 21 and 24 metres. I'm guessing it was kind of like compacted ice. I don't know. That's cool. I like that. And they were reinforced by wooden supports. Catherine the Great had one constructed at her palace in Oranienbaum in St. Petersburg. And then a French traveller noticed this pastime in Russia and took it back to France, but because it wasn't as cold in France, adapted it to the milder climate. So they erected a track with a groove that ran down the middle and then a bench was fitted to it, which had wheels in the groove, and then down the Parisians went, but they faced sideways on this one. Ooh, I wouldn't want to do that. It's quite funny, all these women in skirts in the illustration I saw. Naughty. And then... What with their skirts billowing out behind exactly. them? Exactly. Billowing up Well, in, in front of them, I suppose. But no, because they were just going down, so not too yeah, they much. Were. <laughs> <laughs> Hooch is akimbo. Oh, no. <laughs> She's on fire. No, no, as in their hooches were akimbo. Can your hooch be akimbo? I think so. Who else's hooches <laughs> would have been akimbo? The if ladies. Not, if not theirs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then in... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What does akimbo actually mean? Wide like, apart. All, all over the place. I thought, oh. it was, I thought it was like... Spread. Is it spread? Or maybe oh, it's all over the place. I thought it was like... I thought legs also, akimbo was spread. It's when your legs are apart. Yeah. Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> but also all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> the hooters were all over the place. Like a Simpsons mouth belching. <laughs> <laughs> the rippling lips. <laughs> then in the mid-1800s, a mining company in Summit Hill, Pennsylvania, 
constructed the Morch Chunk Gravity Railroad, a brake controlled... Sounds fun. Really catchy name. (laughs) (laughs) But this was actually to transport coal from the mine down to a nearby town. But then they realised they could make money by just selling rides to people on it. And then they started making loads of money from selling rides to people and uh, calling it like Scenic Railway. And then this guy called Lamarcus Adna Thompson, now considered the father of roller coasters, inspired by this idea, began work on a gravity switchback railway that opened at Coney Island in Brooklyn in 1884. And then from that point people started adding in loops and all sorts of different things that got them closer to what we think of a roller coaster as today. And uh, they grew and grew in popularity, as you can imagine. By the 1920s, they were 1,500 across the United States. But then came the Second World War and the Great Depression. People didn't have the money to spend on it and they kind of faded into obscurity until... There were like 200 left in the USA by the 60s. And then along came Walt Disney. Oh, Who God. is God. widely considered <laughs> to be the rescuer of the roller coaster with the creation of the Matterhorn bobsled. Have you been to Disney? Oh, no. Disney? No, none of us have. The Matterhorn bobsled, which was built in 1959, and it was the first popular roller coaster to be made using steel instead of wooden tracks. There was actually someone first who did it in Paris, but everyone forgot about that one. <laughs> Poor old Paris. So Disney Classic got the... Want. Like the friggin' Statue of Liberty, eh? What about it? It was Parisian, and then the Americans saw it and said, let's make it bigger and better, and now everyone equates it with America. Um, mm. I thought it was a gift from Yes, Paris. yes, 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 <laughs> yes. That's it. <laughs> Making it so salacious. <laughs> yeah. oh, I just can't resist. We've got a budding tabloid journalist in yeah. here. Um, um, and the Daily Mail of... Of A's You forget the name of the podcast. <laughs> of A's oh, <laughs> So what's... Th- so, sorry, the biggest one today is now where? Well, biggest is perhaps not the right word because it's kind of break, broken down into longest, steepest, tallest, okay, yeah. most loop-de-loops. Yeah, which but we've been on. The one that I found. <laughs> you have not been on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty Google sure that. it's the Smiler at Alton Towers, which is the one... We went on something that had some kind of record. It was the loops. It was the loops. Maybe it was the size of the loops. Or maybe it was the least I loops. I think so. <laughs> I know <laughs> which one you're talking about. Yeah. Least. Oh, you know which one we're talking about? I do. I remember seeing it at Winter Wonderland. It might be the size of the loop. There's three biggest big loops. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. that. And you go around them multiple times. Yeah. And that was roller coasters. So I hope it was entertaining. <laughs> it <laughs> Very was much lovely. So. We loved, we loved it. it. Yes, for my R, I'm doing risks. I thought perhaps the risk that I could take... <laughs> would be to not be quite as thorough with my research and at what point in the day did you decide that <laughs> well I've had a very busy week <laughs> <laughs> well firstly I will ask you both do we take risks well as evidenced by my lack of roller coaster experience perhaps not a risk doesn't have to be jumping out of a plane you, no, but yeah. like do you feel like you're risk adverse in your character? I think I take risks. 
Oh. I don't think I'm like a big risk taker. I like a comfortable time. <laughs> but, but then, but arguably, is then then is it not a risk? I do lots of things. In fact, I was saying just today that I don't tend to turn anything down just because it scares me. Apart from going on a roller coaster. Yeah. But like, if that's the only reason, then I will do the thing. Yeah. Which is a sort of risk, I suppose, because it could lead to. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> but like you know, I I put myself at risk of embarrassment. In fact, all three of us do every week. Yeah. What so, are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I don't think I'm like an extreme risk taker, but I think I in my job and my life I've taken risks. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I feel like I've I can take risks too and have done, but. I suppose it just depends on what one's perception of risks are. Well, like a real simple definition of a risk is literally just the possibility of something bad happening. <laughs> so it's like uncertainty about the effects or implications that whatever the activity that you're risking might bring forth. Yeah. Like if there might be some kind of negative response, I suppose. Do you take risks? I think I'm pretty risk averse. I'm so quick to talk myself out of stuff because I'm like, well, what's the point in doing that? Because all these bad things will happen. We might have even spoken about this on the podcast before, but apparently that's a real difference between women and men when they're applying for jobs. Oh, yeah. Is that they'll see five things. I I, I literally shoehorn this fact into every conversation <laughs> I can, so I'm sure it's come up before, but... Boys will see like a list of five requirements and be like, well, I can do two of those. So, yeah, I'll apply. And girls will see the same list and be like, I can do four of them. But that last one I can't do. So I probably it's probably not for me. Wow, yeah. Awesome. The talking yourself out of thing things. Yeah. Is why I'm not very good with taking risks. But I'd really like to be. But I feel like you will go off like impulse quite a lot. That's true. Like you don't like hem yourself in in that way. I think only if you have the time to think yourself out of it but when it comes to sort of like fun stuff yeah. I don't think you are risk averse no that's true yeah it's it's basically if my in fact, if, you're an incredibly naughty girl <laughs> yes I can be it's if if I have time to for my anxiety to kick in I won't do it basically yeah. and also isn't, it's just there are things that you perceive as risky and that other people don't yeah like me and roller coasters and then there are things that I don't perceive as risky that other people do. And so in some ways you are really risk averse and in other ways yeah. you take loads of risks. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were talking about that on the train back today. I was talking about it with some people I work with and and one of my colleagues was like, there's an interesting difference between perceived risk and actual risk. And he was like, I remember in COVID when people really, really didn't want to get on the tube and so would cycle across London instead to avoid getting on the tube because of because it was even way more likely to get covid but then the risk of being hit by a car actually far outweighs depending on what risk category you're in but for most people would far outweigh the negative implications of actually getting covid well for anyone who can cycle across the heart of london probably yeah probably be fine yeah true i suppose so what you, what your perceived risks are yeah i think are so interesting i mean that that's a slightly different thing because there were loads of unknowns and it was a really yeah. freaky time. But I feel like there's like a really big thing. The relationship between risk and reward is really important. So it's basically like if you feel like the payoff 
is big enough, then you're more likely to take the risk. Yeah. Mm. I'd imagine. But I don't find that to be enough of a motivating factor. I would say that you took quite a large risk joining my band. Yeah, but the payoff was big. Yeah, so it is enough to Oh, motivate yes, me. it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you also took a risk. And the payoff is huge. Oh. oh isn't that nice? Isn't that cute? Yeah. And Gina, when you came <laughs> and sold merch, <laughs> that was a huge risk. I take risks too. <laughs> I suppose we, well, <laughs> yeah, we risk humiliation on a weekly basis. We do. But we don't risk as much in that we are in each other's company. And it's not as risky as being an idiot by oneself on the radio as you do (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) so maybe I'm not that risk of birth that's hugely brave I think to do a solo radio show oh guys this is turning into exactly what I wanted this section to be (laughs) just talking about me they're all of me yeah and sometimes the risk of not doing the risk is worse than the risk itself Mm. when when I was googling it like every think piece was like why the biggest risk takers are the most successful people in the world and stuff like that but I suppose that's there's a difference between like everyday risks in the sense of like should I quit my job and take this new job than like jumping out of a plane and skydiving which carries physical risk to like emotional risk do you know what I mean yeah Mm. unless you're quitting your job as a skydiver (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true but I read a small study on what makes us take risks and why some people take more risks than others and neuroimaging research that's all I can give you which was published in 2021 suggests that Actually, only about 3% of risk-taking behaviour is down to genetics and all the rest of it is like socioeconomic factors and family dynamics, sex. It's like all environmental rather than anything actually genetic or physical, which is quite interesting. They found that risk-takers tend to have less grey matter, um, which is the brain tissue that contains most of your neurons, particularly the amygdala, which is your the one that registers fight or flight. Right. Which is your fear, part of your brain that that all your fear receptors are in, I think. Yeah. I was reading about that the other day. I think I've got a massive amygdala. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Have either of you seen Free Solo? Yes. About the climber? Yeah. He does climbing without ropes. Yeah. Very, very big climbing. And he had a brain scan and he has a very small amygdala that's like basically doesn't respond. Wow. So he's not brave because he's not scared. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Whereas Gina and her whopping amygdala. Yeah. It'd be incredibly brave if I were to do what he were doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You win. (laughs) But I think they find that people with PTSD have their amygdalas are just act. It's like constantly being stimulated, which is what's giving them that the mm. fear and trauma response. Horrible. Um, yeah, horrible. But yes, so people who like to lean into taking risks have less grey matter in certain regions, particularly the amygdala and ventral striatum, which are the areas known to be involved in fear regulation, decision making and risk assessment, which is interesting. And in- even more interestingly, another study from from different neuroscientists showed that children who tend to be far less risk averse 
than adults, so they take more risks, show way less activation in their ventral in their ventral striatum when making decisions. So their brains, children's like all children's brains look closer to the brains of people who like taking risks. Because oh. that's definitely a thing. I feel like I was way more risky. Well, yeah, Marika same. was throwing poos at houses when she was a Let's child. Let's not talk about that again. <laughs> but <Doesn't> I, it, <laughs> everyone can listen to episode A when they want to. Okay. Yeah, but not everyone knows it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I was so up for everything as a child. Just I was fearless. I wasn't, and this is why I know I have a massive amygdala. <laughs> I was doing fuck all. I was just. Well, I wouldn't even do a cartwheel. I couldn't do one. I'm with you on that. See, I was cartwheeling. I just, I just thought it would just really hurt when I fell over. Also, it just, I, I didn't have the strength. <laughs> <laughs> Your weak little match wrist. made in heaven. <laughs> I wonder if I still could. Oh, I bet you can. Yeah. Gosh, I'd like to try, but I won't because I don't want to hurt myself. You could do a rendition of like Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're playing uh, with Marika. <laughs> oh my god! Please do that, please. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> oh my god, I love that video so much. In case anyone hasn't seen that video, just go onto YouTube and type in Fergie Cartwheel. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so. It so will weird. not be a wasted thirty seconds of your life. Mm-mm. No, it's so funny. Now, repeated risk taking. So I know that I said that it doesn't really have anything to do with the physical brain, but and everything that I'm saying here is counter to that. But repeated risk taking can restructure your brain. Crazy. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make so sense. So it's like a, a wee muscle. Is that how you get not scared of things? Yes, I guess so. That feels like it's also experience based. Like if you take a risk and it pays off, you're like you're more likely to do it again. But that's, that's probably what rewires the brain. Well, yeah. Probably. That sounds like exposure therapy. Mm. Where you expose yourself to the thing you fear. Oof. So uh, spiders, arachnophobics will be covered in tarantulas and then apparently it just changes something. I don't think, I think that would actually make me more scared. It sounds traumatising. It sounds like a very can't. risky Although, method. you know what? Actually, I was thinking this the other day. Our downstairs bathroom is packed to the rafters with spiders. And when I was first, I feel like it's been really bad this summer you've seen them yeah I have. but this time it's a personal they're like they're not with it's not like daddy long legs vibes it's like orb weavers shunk orb weavers i don't know or what that they, is but... they're the kind of speckly ones are we talking like dark oh, some of them but like no, these are these the are house spiders they're, Hench. they're huge yeah they're like big fat thick long they're huge aragogs. they're real aragogs yeah and i to the like i couldn't be in the loo with them when because they're so <laughs> in a way telling really boring stories me. yeah exactly and now i'm just like hey guys how you doing they do, i'm just so un- nonplussed by them now because i see them all day every day because i'm always in the loop <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of works with what you're saying about exposure hmm. ther- therapy Oof. but yes marika you're right a woman called Raina. I did say that to you said this. <laughs> that How is Raina Marie? Good? She's good. She's good. You know her, you love her. You love to hate her. That 
repeated risk taking can restructure your brain you do get changes that are anatomical as a result of experience which because each experience gives growth of neurons pruning of neurons and changing in the morphology of the brain if you see a certain stimulus and react to it and you're engaging in behavior then your neurons start to like rewire themselves to whatever that is it's which, basically desensitization yeah and it's really it's a really similar neural pathway structuring to people who suffer from addiction it's like quite similar things mm. and arguably risk people who like really love taking risks it is addictive isn't it because yeah. you get the rush you get the dopamine you get that the, adrenaline you get the junkie vibe mm. yeah not for me but yeah others but going on stage yes but that's that's very low in my because of i think my brain changing yeah whereas yeah. the time i jumped off a 30 foot diving board i made a decision as i resurfaced that i would never do that again Oh, what? When did that happen? <laughs> did you? Yeah, when I was like 11. What, so when you were flying through the air, what were you thinking? Can you remember? Oh, I was just thinking, oh, God. And then I was like, how long is this going to take? Because it yeah. just felt like forever. And then I slammed into the water. Oh, But I was doing all the correct things, but it still hurts. So what, were you hands first? No. Hands first. I was just, I was like a pencil. Oh, you were just pencil jumping dive, in. whatever it's you know, when you oh, jump sorry, in like yeah. this with like a like a uh, like a mummy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Sorry. I heard a story, I don't know if it's true, of a man doing that and he forgot to put his legs together and his balls went inside his body. <laughs> they did say put your legs together. And blow. So. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Apparently the lower you are in your sibling order, so the younger you are in your pack, you're, the more likely you are to be a risk taker. <gasps> well, not me. <laughs> Sex does play a part in it. Men are, they skew slightly f- further towards being risk takers, which they think might actually just be testosterone. But I do also think there's got to be, there is so much environmental factory stuff going on, as in your environment, not the environment, in terms of like boys are always like, egging each other on to do stuff also i think Mm. we have an inbuilt sense of self-preservation that men don't because we i think we have to have it more yes that's true and that would definitely feed into your risk assessments yeah whereas i think a lot of men wouldn't look at the world worse like that guy from hinge that was like getting pissed off that he had to cross the road oh well my my sister matched with this guy who said he found it really annoying that when it's night time and if he's walking oh, behind God. a woman, he has to cross the road because otherwise she'll be scared and it made him really angry that he has to cross the road. Not that anyone asked him to either. Oh, my God. But yeah. that kind of a vibe. Yeah, yeah. As in. Yeah. Whereas the woman in that situation, obviously, is yeah. thinking about the risk of walking at home in the dark. Yeah, alone. Totally. But, yes, I just think that gender politics are, are, are at work. <laughs> <laughs> in whether or not men or women take more risks also men are encouraged to take more risks yeah we're told to sit down and pipe down yeah yeah I think (laughs) she said meekly (laughs) the only other thing that I really have prepared was a list it's a song (laughs) see us out oh it was a list that I've accidentally deleted (laughs) (laughs) oh there it is high risk on my tabs of the 10 most dangerous jobs, which are... Uh, can I guess one of them? Yeah, what do you think? Fishermen. So this is most dangerous jobs in the world. Fatal injury rate on the job per 100,000 workers. Tree surgeon. 
logging workers, yeah, number one, Gina Miller. And then number two, aircraft pilots and flight engineers, which I wouldn't. I thought that I thought that would be pretty safe by now. Maybe but, it's the yeah. training bit that yeah. maybe loads of people just don't make it through training. What firemen? Firemen's on here, yeah. Then it's roofers. Then it's iron and steel workers, truck drivers, farmers and agricultural workers, fishing workers. Oil rigs? That's not on here, but fire, 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 firefighters, fire, fire, <laughs> fire, firefighters fire. was on one of the lists I've read, but it's not on this. But and so then, these are the real heroes. Yeah, garbage waste collectors, which I thought was which because they're Hang often on. dying of stench. Something's no, not tracking here because they're <laughs> exposed to loads. They're exposed to loads of hazardous stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to tell me that more garbage workers die than firemen or police. Apparently, and or then soldiers and then miners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, miners make no, sense. not die, not die. <laughs> you said fatal injury. Oh, I did. Yeah, fatal injury rape per on the job per, per million days, <laughs> million days. Well, anyway, fi- I did see firemen. I did see police, but they weren't on this list. And this list is from TradeSafe. Dot com. <laughs> so, oh, maybe that's in trades then, as opposed to all jobs. Okay, yes, maybe. But anyway, you got your dangerous jobs there. Interesting. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I had to print out twenty documents today. Um, it involved several different components that made up these documents, so I printed them out bit by bit, then arranged them into twenty piles, stapled them. Honestly, ten minutes into this mildly physical exercise I was like I don't know how people do anything more physically strenuous than this just standing up and arranging these papers (laughs) so so using like printing paper printing paper putting it into piles from a printer yeah and putting it into a few piles stapling them let's go to another office to find a stapler stacking them into piles I thought this is about as much as I've got (laughs) This is not the life for me. <laughs> You're gonna to have to stop crunching at some point soon, and I see you have a whole handful. Okay. You're being very, very <laughs> confident about it. You're just like time well, waits for no one. I'm done. <laughs> you stop. I thought it was just gonna be like the one crisp you had in your mouth. <laughs> okay. That's still coming in loud loud and booming. Okay, I'm done. No, no you're not. <laughs> Cheers. Now I'm done. Pipers. Beautiful. Pipe down with pipers. Oh. Or pipe up. Mmm, <laughs> pipe ups. <laughs> so are you piping I'm up? I'm glad we all have yeah. some energy left at the end of this. I've got pet for in the my final... Step. The lower third. Mm. Revenge is, is a, a dish. dish best served. One in a million. <laughs> what? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, you know. Cold, right? It is cold. Best served cold. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> 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 sorry, I jacket on. Yes, a dish served cold. Actually, what is that? What do we think that means? I have never knew. Do you think it's that time should elapse before you serve it? Ooh. Ooh. Or that it should be like a salad? <laughs> well, because sometimes you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
<laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. A crab salad. <laughs> oh. I do think you're right. I think it's the time elapsing. I'd never, ever yeah. understood it before, but you've just made sense of it. Well, so like lovely. when they least expect it. Because that's what it yeah, says at, yeah. at the beginning of Kill Bill. That's the quote on the screen. Yes, and Tarantino loves revenge. It's in every single yes, one of his does. bloody films. It's the constant through line. Mm. But the, what I said about that quote, I I only just thought of that's not from Google. So if anyone was actually it, uh, knows. Who, who, do we know who Confucius? said it? Let's look it up. Did you say Confucius? Yeah. No. Widely attributed to Pierre Chaudelot de la Close. The French author who included it in his 1782 epistolary novel *Les Liaisons Dangereuses*. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we sorted that out. Yes, and that's why my dad always says it to us in French. And how do you say it in French, Shelley? I think it's *Revanche* or *Le Revanche*. <laughs> *Revanche* <laughs> is a dish. C'est un salade. <laughs> C'est un petit salade. Mais oui, c'est bon. Anyway. Also, just a little a little comment here on the difference because justice, obviously, and revenge. Ah, la justice. Yes, <laughs> famously French. Um, they could be almost the same, but they they aren't the same. Bedfellows. Mm. They are bedfellows, but they're not. Well, the same. is one motivated by the light and one by the dark? In some senses, I suppose, but also one of them aims to basically inflict harm in return, whereas the other one is looking for like a fair resolution. Got and it. where does vengeance fit in with this? Oh. I think is vengeance revengeance. <laughs> it's just another half of the word that we don't say. It's the lower third. Yeah. It's a third and a half. You I think I know the answer to this question because you already answered it before we started this section. <laughs> But have you ever plotted or enacted revenge either of you? It can be very small. It doesn't need to be like on a biblical level. I think maybe n- not like plotted or enacted revenge, but I probably have enjoyed <laughs> the feeling of some kind of comeuppance or like okay, um, like karma, like some karmic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did one with. Oh well, maybe it's not so much revenge. Now this will be interesting if you deem this as revenge because it was quite quick. It was my brother, and he had two twins that were his friends, and we were all in the garden, and I. They were holding the hose on the top of my head, like with the water coming out. It was ice cold <laughs> and like holding it on the top of my head for as long as they could and like holding me down. And it was very, very painful, actually. That sounds really yeah. traumatising. And my mum was watching it all from the kitchen window. <laughs> for fun. But she knew she knew this little chick could handle it. So when I did get free, and this is what I mean about whether it's revenge because it was fairly immediate, but it was immediate and sweet. I picked up the hose and then just like whipped them all around their backs like really, really hard. And they were all running off screaming and my mum was like, go on, girl. Oh my God, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Satisfying. That feels like just desserts. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't, I like the idea of plotting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I knew. I just thought of another one of revenge being had on me. Okay. I don't think this is a fair one, but maybe it is. So basically, the house that I grew up in, the bathroom was near my brother's bedroom. And I think on more than one occasion, I must have done a poo and then left the door open. (laughs) And my brother was... Marie is tossing her head back with, I don't know, weariness. <laughs> with vim and vigour. Vim and vigour. 
And he said to me, if you leave that bathroom door open one more time after you do a poo, because it was wafting into his bedroom. Why are we... Oh, oh, sorry. You're not on the loo with the door open. You're just leaving no, it open after. No, no, no. After. I just thoughtlessly yeah, leaving yeah. the bathroom and not thinking <laughs> to shut the door so that my brother doesn't have to smell my poo. I kind of forgot that he was upset by it. And he said, if you do it one more time... I'm going to do a poo in your bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) And then, I don't know, one more time must have happened and I was sitting in my my bedroom studying at my desk. Wait, how old are you, Gina? Uh, I'm going to say 14. (laughs) My brother would be 18 by that calculation. I was uh, writing letters at my desk. For your pen pal. To my pen pal. Um, my brother flung my bedroom door open <laughs> and looked me in the eye and carried this large ashtray over oh. and put it down on the desk and there was a massive shit in it. <laughs> oh I've seen God. a picture of it. Oh, my God. And it was so smelly. Like, I'd never smelt a human, <laughs> oh a human poo out of water. Oh, horrible. Out of water. I think that was too harsh a punishment for my accidental... No, but you'd you'd been doing it over and over again. He did warn you. He did warn you. Okay, I think realistically I'd done it twice and he warned me. That that does change things a little. (laughs) I think he was just begging for an opportunity. Yeah, he probably absolutely loved it when he left the door open that next time. Yeah. Did you ever leave the door open again? I don't think I did. Yeah. A firm hand. <laughs> Works wonders. Works hey. wonders. Um, but revenge drives crime. Up to 20% of homicides are revenge killings. Ooh. And 60% of school shootings are linked to revenge. Oh, that's horrible. horrible. Which is horrible, yeah. Also, one 2006 study... <laughs> Here we go. ...found that men get more pleasure from the idea of revenge. Interesting. Yeah, yeah they but, have the activity in the reward circuit of the brain than women when they saw cheating opponents in this test um, receive an electric shock. Wow. And that bit of the brain is the one that also responds to like cocaine and, yeah, you know. Cats. I think that's why men are so quick to leap at the, the idea or chance of defending their woman's honour. Because they Cause love a bit of revenge. Because it's not actually to do with... A woman's honour, I think. It's probably I just I think it's also pride. Yeah. yeah. It feeds up into ideas of revenge. A yeah. wounded pride. But then also people just do terrible things. And you can understand, oh, maybe revenge is a dish best served cold means that, like, you don't do it. What do you Like, mean? you rise above it. And that's the revenge. Like, you just, you don't give it any more Ooh, due attention. Any more air. Yeah. In the way that people say that ignoring someone is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. It's the most painful thing you can do. Shows you don't care. But then some things are very much worthy of caring about. Probably done that. I've probably... Risen above. No, not oh. risen above. Done something like deliberately. You deliberately? <laughs> and actually, I maybe I, I feel like I don't try not to do it now because it is really an awful thing to do. But like really long out a reply or something when you know that someone's on the other end waiting for you to say something I also think that when I've done that it's not just there's not like there's going to be a flicker of enjoyment let's not beat around the bush ladies oh yeah but also I think in a situation where I feel in some way wronged I want to prolong the amount of time where I feel the wronged person and as soon as I say something that's either directly saying I'm upset by that or 
whatever version of that, I then feel the shoes, it's it's flopped the other way again. And because I've said, yeah. I'm annoyed by this or you've upset me, I'm now no longer the person that's been wronged because I've made my feelings known. Yes. So it's like, it's luxuriating in the feeling of being a victim for longer. Yeah. And yeah. I guess depending on the situation, I mean, this is obviously more like lighter weight social sort of, I guess, imagine like friendship, social, romantic things. To be the wronged one is to hold the power if those people do care about what you think about them. Yeah. But then obviously much of the bigger stories of revenge, they're not going to give a shit. Yeah. Because yeah. they've done terrible things to people yeah. throughout history. Yeah. Who've come back with some fabulous stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have some examples here. <laughs> oh, hit us. Well, Genghis Khan. Oh, yeah. We've heard of him. We've heard of him. Big dog. He basically, his whole big conquering was kind of kicked off as an act of revenge. So if that hadn't happened, if he hadn't been wronged in the first place, it might, we might not even know who he was. Ooh. And basically, there was uh, the, now this, the, the name of this empire is a little hard to pronounce so please bear with me but there was a leader of the Khwarezmid yes. empire they were like next to each other and they were having some struggles and they decided to, to make it peaceful for a bit they were keeping it friendly keeping it good and then um, Genghis Khan sent a caravan of 500 people over which caravan in the traditional sense they weren't in a caravan mm -hmm. um, and they all got killed um, so he then basically spent two years wiping out the entire Khwarezmid empire completely bit of an overreaction methinks well you could say but you could also say <laughs> there was an overreaction <laughs> yes I guess they had, they were all they were having a perfectly good time and then he sent these 500 men that all got slain in a fairly nasty way. But why did he send way. them in the first place? Sorry, it was just for like trade. They oh, weren't, right, they, okay. they wasn't sending in them, they weren't being aggressive. Okay, okay. They were just sent in as, as to like do some dealings. Yeah, Jesus. And then he went on to just go and to defeat like the whole of Eurasia. So. What's he concealing? Yeah. Mm. He's mm. gay. He's <laughs> gay. He's probably. That would be really sad. Yeah. But I don't love the sound of his work. No, I know. I mean, none of these people are like particularly... Um... Well, check this lady out. Saint Olga of Kiev. Strong. Yeah. She also got sainted after this insane act of revenge, which is like quite rogue. So she married Prince... Now, is it Igor? I-G-O-R. Yeah. yeah. And so they became... She became a queen. And they travelled to meet with a tribe called the Drevulans to demand an increase in tribute. So they're already going to be like, we need more money from you just generally all the time. So they were like, no, and they killed Igor. So she was pretty pissed off. So she went back home and the Drevlians sent ambassadors and the choice of a king to propose a marriage pact. And so she burnt the men alive <gasps> and buried them in a ditch uh, and then laid siege to their capital city. And then the following year, the Drevlians offered tribute hoping to end her campaign of death and destruction so she accepted three sparrows from each household then she had her men attach rags dipped in sulfur to the birds legs so when they returned to their nests they set the whole town on fire oh my Whoa. god and the result was the complete and total killing of the remaining drevulans okay another really interesting thing i found out about revenge is we're not the only species to enact it Ooh, can i guess what it does monkeys cows 
Well, <laughs> monkeys, yes. Cows, probably. There was a big, like, <laughs> there, a lot of animals do. Cows wasn't on the list, but I can imagine cows do. Cows are watching us. But also... Penguins. Camels. Oh. <gasps> so well, the ma- a man left like his to. camel tied up in the heat all day, and when he came back, the camel severed his head. <gasps> How? Like, with its mouth. Ooh. Oh, lord! So it bit um, his head off. It kind of, yeah. Like, and it kind of, like, chewed like, chew through his neck. Oh, vicious! That's... But also, he, like the camel was really pissed off. Yeah, elephants have destroyed like houses and towns and stuff after a, a member of the herd's been poached. Oh wow! Oh yeah, they get they get really upset, and they rightfully so. I yeah. had a crazy story about an elephant. Someone told me that many years ago he had been driving around in Africa and drove through. A line of elephants that were walking along, but with big gaps between them. So he didn't realise that he had driven between a mother and a young elephant. Oh God! And the the mother elephant kind of did an about turn and just started chasing them in the car, and they were reversing in it away from her until they reached a point where they literally couldn't go any further back. It was either a a sheer drop or something meant that they just couldn't oh go God. any further and just stood there and stood there for about 12 hours oh my god when they just waited through the night and she just stood there and then walked away Terrifying. wow i've got a slightly cuter story from a, about an <laughs> elephant <laughs> basically it's from some like memoir of some like old dude that used to hang out in india all the time and he said that they, him and his his crones went and hung out with these three elephants and um they were sort of giving it little bits of banana and stuff and then like teasing this particular elephant like taking it away um and as they were leaving the keeper of the elephants arrived with a couple of coconuts and the elephant picked picked one up and then threw it at the back of one of the men's heads as they were leaving the room with so much force that he said if it had actually struck the guy would have died. Oh my god! But also quite cheeky. Yeah, that <laughs> is quite cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky nice like, revenge. Like the octopus is squirting. People. Yeah, and yeah. that was it was on the list, but I wasn't going to repeat yeah. your story. But that was part. That was a, a reference of octop octop um, animals seeking revenge. Yeah, yeah. Which mm. is just so like quite like I think it's quite nice that they do it too. Yeah, crows crows do oh, obviously because crows are so clever. Yeah, researchers in Seattle found that a crow population they've been capturing and tagging would recognise and harass their former captors even a year after last seeing them. Wow. And they would wear masks sometimes and they wouldn't know. And then when they, it's a bit like, they'd be like, oh, we're okay now, we'll take the masks off. It's been like a year or whatever. And then they'd be like... Ah. Wow. So yeah, you know, it's not just us. Great one about a bunch of stray dogs destroying this guy's car because they saw him um, kick one of their friends. <gasps> Whoa. He came back and they'd like chewed through all his windscreen wipers and stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is quite spooky, I suppose. Yeah. It's like it makes it feel really animalistic in us. Yeah, like really built like baked into our. <laughs> but I suppose vibes. revenge is <laughs> baked in. You know, revenge is just a fight that's happening in different times. So, so it's a conflict that they might not be able to respond to in the present moment. But then when you've left, yeah, or... there is also is something to do with like an evolutionary aid. That if you present yourself as someone who would enact revenge, you therefore stop yourself from being targeted. Interesting. And that's why they think that we have it and the way that it does give actual like pleasure to think about revenge. But then further further studies have shown that 
the after effects of revenge aren't as pretty. It's a bit like a drug. It's like you have all the anticipatory excitement and then the kind of high and then actually it drops again. And you probably then feel guilty because... Mm. Yeah. 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 Depending on the kind of person you are, but... It's like, um, yeah, saying the mean thing feels exciting in the moment and then afterwards... Oh, you just feel feel, like... You feel bad. So you have said the mean thing, both of you. Oh, I've said loads of stuff I wish I could take back. (laughs) (laughs) What's the worst thing you've said? Nothing, nothing... Well, God, I don't know. Write in and tell me, but... <laughs> I've definitely... I will. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know when you then you like replay it in your head and you're like, oh. like what's oh, so harsh. weird is yeah. that before you say the thing that's mean, it feels so true. Yeah, and, and then, then afterwards you're like, I don't mean that. As soon as you've said it, you're like, oh what? Yeah, that, that wasn't even me that felt that. Feels like a different person or something. It's very weird that we have all these people in our head. Yeah. Demon possession. Stop it! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to episode R of AS4 Podcast. Join us next week when we'll be snoozing through sleepwalking, swimming with sharks, and sharing our shame.